All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much, Lisa. Welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 134. Your friend Bagnog here. We're going to break down the week that was for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm joined, as always, by Tyler Remchuk, Nation Dan, Josh Park, sitting in for Rick today. Got a lot to get to, despite the fact that there's no games for us this weekend. It's a rare weekend off for the Oilers. Uh, a non-COVID related weekend off for the Oilers, which is interesting, but we'll get to that. First, I'm going to start off by welcoming... Our friends at Sherwood for the Giant as listeners. We know you're listening. And we know you hear us when we say we want new Broncos for the boys. Just imagine, again, imagine how sweet we would look in different colored Broncos cruising around the Hende in some kind of sexy convoy. I'm thinking Go ahead. we take our different Broncos and we park them all facing each other. And then we yep. just do the podcast that way. I would like that. We can make yeah, that happen. Back in the pre-covid times i i had suggested that we get like an old like ford aerostar from sherwood ford mm. and we go and we do like an all-night podcast where we just like do hits and and come in over the top and the four of us have to just spend a night in a van together yep. that's an idea for a podcast i actually had where like maybe before an oilers playoff game back when people yeah. were allowed we just do the thing where we set up a table like outside rogers place like across the street and totally. just like us and an open mic. And if people want to like stop by and talk, they can. We yes. did a once upon a time, we did a episode of North by North Gretz, RIP North by North Gretz at uh, live at the pint. And it was a lot of fun. So we should definitely do that whenever we're able to do that again, go check out Sherwood Ford on Twitter at Sherwood Ford on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant again, Broncos Broncos for the boys. We'd look great. You'd love it. 
Everybody would love it. Tyler, kick us off with this week's Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. Our Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. Connor McDavid, centered around number 97, who has 77 points in 45 games played. That means he would need 23 points in his last 11 to crack 100. We all kind of thought he'd do it at the beginning of the year, especially when he was on that big heater. Does Connor McDavid have enough in him? Can Connor McDavid or will Connor McDavid get 100 points this season? One more time with the numbers, please. Where is he at? We got 11 games left. Yeah. So he is at 77 points. So he needs 23 points in 11 games. Can Connor McDavid do it? So if, if we're working the math out here, let's think it out out loud, right? So he's going to have to go over two points a game and get yeah. there, carry the one, add that in there. Yeah. That is a heavy, heavy order to get to 100 points in 11 games. Dan, you predicted over 100 points to start the season. I'm starting with you. Does he get there? Yes, sir. He absolutely does. I, I, I know that logic wants to leak in and you want your brain wants to tell you that it's, it's going to be really hard on a guy to have to do that, but you can't bet against number 97, the best player in the league right now. He has five games against the Vancouver Canucks, two games against the Calgary flames. And then he still has a couple more games against the jets and the Canadians. So yeah, for me, he gets, he gets a couple games with three or four points three or four points and then uh, and then we're not even questioning it anymore i think he gets over 100 points it's gonna be a tight one like you said he's gonna have to go on a heater over these last 11 games it's doable i would never bet against him but it's gonna be interesting to see how he gets there josh park your thoughts mcdavid to the century mark if we played the sends 11 times you could do it but see the only issue that i have with it is Okay, let's say this scenario. The Oilers have 11 games left. Let's say in the final week of the regular season, the Oilers have obviously locked up a playoff position and already locked up either second or third in the division. Could you see them maybe potentially not playing McDavid for the last like two or three games of the season just to kind of reserve him for playoffs? Could you see that happening? Like what if he's four points away and there's two games left? What if Tippett's just like, no, McDavid's not playing. He's not freaking playing. It's not worth it. Like what then? I could also see like in that exact scenario where maybe Connor dresses, but instead of playing 23, 24 or 27 minutes, like he did the other night where it's like 12 to 15, just to get him in the game, but he doesn't really go out for a twirl. So Josh is a no Dan's a yes. Tyler, what do you think? McDavid to the hundred mark. I'm also going to say no. I think you can make a case for it by going, listen, they're, he, in the last two weeks of the season, they're going to play the Vancouver Canucks five times. By that point, Vancouver could very much just be dead in the water and be going through the motion. So if you look at those five games against the, against the Canucks, I think it's almost realistic to expect him to get like 14 points in those games. If they play him hard and he's getting his 28 minutes and there's power plays and there's all that shit, like if they wanted to get McDavid to hundred, I almost think they could because he has so many games against the shitty Canucks two against the flames as well. Always does well against Calgary. So it's possible, but I'm going to agree with Josh actually and say that he won't quite get there because I think they'll take the foot off the gas a little bit. I think they'll rest him. I think if he's the slightest bit nicked up, they might even sit him for the last couple games of the season. I, I just think with, with such a compressed schedule, you need to prioritize him being healthy heading into the playoffs over some sort of individual, individual numbers. So I'm going to say like, I could see it happening, but I don't think it will. 
I'm going to agree with as much as I want to agree with Dan and be like, fuck yeah, Connor's going to go supernova, which he is right now, by the way, and just get to the century mark in a 56 game season. I, I think that this is going to be one of those load management type scenarios for the Oilers as we go into the back half, because the end of the day, Tyler has said this a handful of times already. He could probably stop now and still win the art Ross trophy. It's not going to happen. But he probably could stop now and already win the Art Ross. I don't think Connor cares about individual awards. I don't think he cares about the points total. It would be another nice notch on the belt in a way. But I think overall, the playoffs and the health of McDavid and Drysaddle matters more than getting him to 100 points. And I think that maybe even if he, like I said, if he doesn't come out of the lineup entirely over the last you know, handful of games that I can see some low minute nights for McDavid and down the stretch. See, I do agree with that game management kind of, um, kind of strategy about playing him less and less in the first and second periods. But I, I do think that this team has to win hockey games. Still, you got to keep, you got to keep yep. the, keep the boat rolling into the playoffs. And like we saw against Montreal, you know, he, he turned it into a next in the next gear in the last five, 10 minutes of that game and netted himself, what three points. So I, I just I I I hear what you guys are saying, but it's for me. I just I can't not bet with him. If I'm putting my money, my hard-earned cash down, it's going on Connor McDavid to get over 100 points. Well, here's I, the thing, Dan. Like I w- I want you to be right. I want to be yeah. wrong. I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be right here. I want Dan to be right. It's just it's trying to. I'm trying to think of what I put out as my preseason points total for him, and I think it was like somewhere in late 80s, 87, 88, somewhere around there. So he's going to soar past that, which in my mind is remarkable in the first place. I'll see if I can bring it up for us while we're continuing to discuss. But again, I think the thing is normally you would look at 23 points and 11 games left to play. And you would just automatically think no, but when it comes to Connor McDavid, the fact that this is even a conversation is pretty hilarious. Right now, he's on pace for 140 points over a full season, which would be the highest total since Mario Lemieux's 161. And that came probably before Josh and Tyler were even born. I'm going to pull up the year here right away. I was was working on it for my random thoughts article for tomorrow at the nation. But I think it's pretty safe to assume that. I wouldn't (laughs) bet against him, but I just, I just, I think it's, I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot. I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't want to bet against him. I don't want to be that guy, but like, it is just, it's hard, man. Like scoring points is still hard. And I know the Canucks are probably going to be laughable down the stretch here once they eventually lose their steam, but like still there could be some tight games. He might get shut out in one game. Like averaging two points a game in the NHL is difficult. You don't even ridiculous. Yeah. And the fact this is even a conversation talks about just what a dominant, dominant season he is having. Cause it's wild. He's a freak. He's a freak. Like it's, it's amazing to see that this, this year long stretch of having very limited hockey for him really I mean, you, like think back boys before the season started, when we were talking about what Connor's season was going to be like, you know, he had a lot of time to prepare a lot of time to train. He had a lot of time to work out the year before, obviously he was rehabbing his knee. That was on the back end. Now that was behind us. And I think the interesting thing about this conversation is where's the ceiling on this guy? Yeah. Where's, where's his max? Because just when you think he's going to hit it, he blows through it. I've talked to, sorry, go ahead. Big Sorry. I was just going to say, and it's been a lot of fun to watch and he's a freak. He really is. I was always going to say 
what what do you think the age for him is going to be when he's at his peak? Because I've talked to a couple of people about this being like, okay, you know, would his peak be like 27, 26? Is he at his peak right now? Like, I really don't know what it could be. What do you guys think? I think it's probably coming in the next couple of years here. And this is one of them. But here's what I'll say about McDavid is the idea of a peak is almost foolish because I think his peak will look like a plateau. Like this 140 point pace he's on right now. I think this might just be the norm for the next three, four, five seasons. Like his yeah. peak might just be a flat line for five years where he is just so, so far ahead of anyone else in the NHL, which he is this season. But you even look at a guy like Sidney Crosby, who I was just going to say again this year, 54 points in 46 games. He's in his, he's played over a thousand games now and he's still a point per game guy in the NHL. So I just think McDavid's going to be great for the entire time he's on the ice. And I, and the idea of a peak, like, I, I don't even want to discuss that with him because I think his whole career is one big, long peak. Yeah, I agree. I just, I think if you're going to talk about McDavid's peak, uh, you have to compare apples to apples. And a guy like Sid is probably the, or, or Ovi as well, is probably the kind of people you would want to look at because they're just, there you go. Or they, they're just ahead. They're above everybody else. So looking at Crosby's career, he's never once, you know, there's been some in- injuries in there, obviously, but he's never once dipped below a point per game not once and he is now 33 years old he turns 34 in august and he's still going so could connor be doing this for the next 10 years yes yes and that's and that's 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 amazing to me it really is what's what's more realistic uh mcdavid getting to 100 points or tyson berry getting to 50 What's well, like what's Barry at? Like, why is Barry's, he? Because Barry's at 38 right now. He's on pace for 69 points this season. Nice. Uh, I mean, Barry getting to 50 is pretty, pretty realistic. You it's, know, he's, it's funny because there's the whole argument with Barry about secondary points or second assists and all that kind of stuff. So anytime he registers one, be it five on five on five or on the power play. It makes me laugh. Now it, I actually laugh when I put it in the wrap up, I make a specific point of talking about Tyson Barry's second assists now, just because I know how it annoys people. So I would say Barry's more likely to get there. He's got an easier route. He's got an easier route. Give it to Connor and Leon. They'll do the work. You know? Yeah. If you think yep. Connor is going to get to a hundred or, or not, I want to know about it. Hit us up on ON Radio Podcast. That's on Twitter and Instagram, ON Radio Podcast. Let us know. Can Connor McDavid get to 100 points? I don't think, I mean, before the season started, I would have never guessed that this was even a possibility or a question we'd be having. It's just like such a freakish thing to do. Well, but, but like I'm looking, I've, I went and found the numbers that we were looking at. We were still, there you go, Dan. Let's go. We were, we, I was up at 99. So this was on, we, you posted this bag milk on the 12th of, or the 11th of December. Uh, I had McDavid at 99 points and dry settle at 92. Uh, Tyler, you had McDavid at 94 points and dry settle at 91 bag milk. You had McDavid at 81 points and dry settle at 79. God, Connor making me look foolish, huh? And then Rick had 85 and 83. But I, but I think to, to that point, I, I don't think he is making you look foolish because when we did that, people thought we were smoking the good stuff. They, they were convinced that we were just 
high on that Kool-Aid and, and not really talking in the realm of reality. And now, you know, I mean, like it, we, like you said, it started early in the season where people were like, okay, Connor's on pace for 110 points right now, you know, and, and then it died off a little bit. And now we're back in that conversation. And again, like you guys said, it is pretty impressive that, that he is making us have this conversation and, and that people are at least even giving it a pause for thought. Uh, looking at the quick feedback, Tyler posted this again, ON Radio Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. He said, Can Connor get to 100 points? A couple of quick items. Fiddler says, Can he? Yes. Will he? He'll be very close, but I will never doubt him. So my answer is yes. And then Shannon says, I said at the beginning of the season he would hit 100, and I still believe it. So there are some believers out there in the nation, and I like it. I like it a lot. I really, really do. And I like watching Connor. Again, Tyler said it a million times, and we are very, very blessed to be watching this guy on a nightly basis. Remember that people remember it. And you know what? I'm probably going to say it again in random thoughts tomorrow. We are lucky. Very, very lucky. To answer your question, Josh Gretzky led the league in points when he was 33. So, so I think for like these great players, I I believe that, yeah, bag milk's right. The plateau is just going to continue for a while. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not, they're not the same as the rest of us. They're freaks. They really, really are. Um, Jason Greger had a really interesting point today too, on the DFO rundown where he brought up how like, look at LeBron, like LeBron is dominating late into his career. Tom Brady's still a good quarterback late in his career. The, the modern training, the modern athlete is built and has the resources to go longer than a Gretzky did maybe longer than a Crosby did. Cause I mean, fingers crossed McDavid won't have the same injury problems in his career. Like McDavid could be built to just dominate, dominate, dominate until he decides at like age 41. All right. I got better shit to do. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Or like you look at Patrick Marlowe right now, he just eclipsed Gordy Howe's record and he's just hit the, all the sound bites from him are just, Hey, listen, I love hockey. There's just, there's nothing about, boat hockey that he doesn't enjoy and the minute that that happens he's done but i think you can see that with connor he is an absolute robot programmed to play hockey and until that programming breaks down he's there for the for the long haul even just going back to gretzky one last time age 37 his final season in the nhl with the new york rangers he led the team in scoring (laughs) these guys are freaks they're freaks um Again, if, you, if you've got thoughts on McDavid getting to 100, hit us up, Owen Radio Podcast. I also suggest you hit up our friends at skipthedishes.ca for something to eat this weekend. It's going to be nice. You've got things to do. You've got items around the house, maybe some spring cleaning you're working on. Head on over to Skip the Dishes. Get yourself something to eat. You don't want to cook. They want to bring food to you. That's what it's all about. Like Tyler always says, keep your drivers skip the dishes.ca. All right, boys, we have no game this weekend, so we can look back on what happened last week a little bit more thoroughly. So I want to jump into the series against Montreal. That was probably one of the most exciting slash fun slash wild ride Oilers games of the season. I had a great time watching it. Even if the Oilers hadn't come out and ripped up four goals in the third period to close out that game, probably still would have been one of the most fun games of the season. Jack Michaels was absolutely bananas. Uh, everything about it was fun. So I want to touch on Monday night's game. Just everybody's vibes on what how things are going. Whatever you're thinking when it came to Monday's win over the Montreal Canadiens. Mr. Danger Dan, you are up first on my screen. Playoff hockey, man. That's exactly what that felt like to me. It's it's a it's a weird, uh, you know, alternate reality version of it with COVID and no fans in the stands. But like you said, Jack, Jack had the crowd 
the digital crowd going nuts and uh and holy hell was that was that game on monday fun we'll get to wednesday's letdown because i agree with you there dan josh we were texting throughout monday night about jack getting us all fired up what was your breakdown on that one yeah i think the biggest thing for me is even coming into that game on monday i've always had a little bit of doubt that i didn't know if the Edmonton Oilers could compete at that kind of physical level on a night in night out basis you know you know being a super physical heavy team up front isn't the Oilers game and it's obviously more skill and speed so i always wondered like if the oilers did get into a kind of battle like that if they'd be able to hold their own and on monday we saw they could and and that's the type of playoffs that we're going to see, or that's the type of hockey we're going to see in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I enjoyed it. That kind of pace, that kind of game, that's that's what I live for. And and plus Jack was just, yeah, that was wild. But, yeah, it, that game was had everything. And we saw, you know, Jay and I talked about it on Monday going into that game on our pregame show that it almost seemed like Connor and probably Leon too were just like, it seemed like they were a little bit salty about the way that Montreal has kind of handled them this season and, and essentially shut them down throughout the games that they played in that series so far this season. So it was good to see coming out early. You could see that Leon and Connor both had a little bit of fire underneath them. So, yeah, just wildly entertaining. So, yeah, I enjoyed that game. Tyler, you are down at the barn. Yeah. You were there. What did you Not see a big from deal. press row? I, well, I feel, I feel like I missed out on the performance from Jack Michaels, so that upsets me a little bit. Well, if you um, want, just real quick. Yeah. Josh put together a third period highlight pack that he tweeted out, posted on the nation's socials. Go check that out. It is Jack at his best. Pulsating. We should almost play it on Sating. the pod. Um, Sorry, Frank. I woke you up, buddy. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, Monday. it was uh, just the speed of that game is what really caught me. And so far this year, I, I don't think we really saw that level of sort of emotion and physicality and like the buzzword, the, the cliche is playoff like hockey. But in this case, the cliche is absolutely accurate. That's exactly what it was. And there was hate. I don't know how much they showed it on the broadcast. But like behind the play, there was a lot of shit. After the whistles, there was a lot of crap going on too. And like at the end of the second, at the end of the second period, when uh, Toffoli took that penalty on Haas, uh, Deneau was standing up on the Habs bench and like most of his team had gone down the tunnel and he was fucking banging his stick and screaming at the refs. And they were all the way down at the Zamboni entrance. And Dino was fucking giving it to him. And that carried over the rest of the game. Like the entire third period, whenever there was the slightest call that didn't go the Habs way, it was Dino, I think Edmondson, and it might have been Anderson was the third guy. They would stand up on the bench and bang their sticks over the edge and scream at the refs, like consistently the entire third period. So there was just a, a few little things like that I picked up on that just showed like, man, these guys cranked up the competitive level like off the fucking meter for that hockey game. And it was great to see the emotion when Ethan bear scored, like that was fun. That, that that's to me, what kind of makes playoff hockey fun is like when they score big goals and it's not just dry and McDavid doing their ho hum, like, Oh yeah. Another one, like fist bump, fist bump, skate to the bench kind of thing. Like they're legitimately jacked up to score. And I, I love seeing that stuff. Uh, you, again, you were at the building, I know you get the like the crowd noise pumped in as well, but yeah, yeah. Uh, could you give us any insight on perhaps what they were yelling at the referees? I can't imagine it was a pulled pork <laughs> recipe. As soon as the period ends, they usually get the music going, so we can't really hear what was being said. Um, but I'm trying to think if there are any good moments in that game. Like you do pick up on the odd like "oh fuck off" 
And you pick up on that on the broadcast sometimes yeah. too. It's my um, favorite. It's like, my was... favorite. I love a good F bomb sliding through on the when broadcast. When the announcers have to just so kind funny. of be like, that language is not appropriate. So yeah, like, some real emotion in tonight's game. Yeah, I don't remember what Jack said the other night, but a fuck bomb came through on the broadcast and he's like, Well, you the players were upset down there, and as I'm sure you heard <laughs> that was when that was the best. That was when McDavid went to go rim the puck with the delayed penalty and it hit the hit the official behind the net and McDavid was like, Are you fucking kidding me? And Jack's like, Oh, Connor McDavid might not like that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's just the best. It was it was physical, it was fun, it was high tempo. Uh, I probably watched Ethan Bear's goals celebration fifty times. The yes. dude was fired right. up. The dude was fired up. All right, let's get ahead to Wednesday. Dan said it. And I agree with him. It was a little bit of a letdown. I thought the Oilers were engaged physically, but they weren't necessarily as engaged on the offensive side of the puck. And when they were getting completely dominated on the shot clock early on, what I wish they would have happened. And I know I said this on real life yesterday. I know people love to talk about shot quality a lot, especially in the city. We've got a very dominant analytics community here in Edmonton, but when you're getting that pumped, that heavily on the shot clock, I would have loved to see the Oilers create a little bit of chaos for themselves, drive to the net, throw pucks at the goalie's feet, try to create your own luck, a little bit of chaos in the crease. It was a slow start for the Oilers. It really was. Montreal was hungry. They were desperate. They were playing that way. Things started to even out a little bit as the game progressed until the exciting finish in the last couple of minutes, but a little bit too little too late for my opinion. I want to know what you guys thought. Josh, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, it was a different vibe on on Wednesday, a little bit of a different style of game. You know, it seemed like there was a little bit of fatigue maybe in the Oilers. Um, obviously, a little bit banged up up front. That casting situation is kind of not ideal because, you know, Bag Milk, I think that we talked about this as well, that that game on Monday night from Zach Cassie was probably the best game yep. that we've seen out of him all season exactly. long. So, you know, we heard Dave Tippett come out this morning, say that it sounds like Zach Cassian is going to be out for, for a decent amount of time. Who knows if that's going to be extending into the playoffs or it's just the remainder of the regular season. But, you know, that's the added advantage of, although they're two completely different styles of players, that's the added advantage of having Ryan McLeod get called up as well. But anyways, going back to Wednesday, yeah, it's we saw that late surge, that late comeback, you know, maybe something that we wouldn't necessarily have seen out of a past Edmonton Oilers team. You know, it was kind of, relentless down the stretch so it was it was encouraging but and then obviously the biggest the biggest takeaway that i take away from wednesday was just i can't believe yesi puliarvi scored again like this guy this guy is really trending in the right direction so it's 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 good it was a tough loss but at the same time like it's not one where you're gonna hang your head and be like man like we completely 100 percent, you know crap the bet on that one and those are big points that we just missed out on yes you, you'd like to win that game but still an encouraging sign and, and it was good to see jp get on the board again dan uh you were the same mindset of me a little bit disappointing at least with the start on wednesday what was your breakdown of that one yeah i i think you hit it on the head for me as well it's the how many times can you remember in your vision test that the oilers have had two lucky goals in one game like two bounces off of a off of a shin pad into the net, you know, just where you've just hurled it at the net, like you said, bag milk. Just just try to get some rubber in and around that net area, and at least again be able to make your own luck. You see it, you saw it with the Toffoli goal in that game, where you know he just 
just happened to be Johnny on the spot when they forced the defenseman to, or the, sorry, they forced Archibald to make a, a you know, an ill-advised pass to a defenseman that wasn't there. Um, and he was on the spot to put it in the net. And that, that's the kind of stuff where, you know, if you're, if you're putting that pressure in and you're, you're in the right spots to make those chances, you, uh, you succeed. But uh, for me too, it's something that Josh was talking about with Pugliarvi is they don't, they don't seem to be expecting Jesse Pugliarvi to just make magic happen anymore. They let him just kind of do the finishing touch, you know, make the, make that last little play or that last little pass that gets the puck to the guy that it needs to get to. So uh, I like that. You've seen kind of an evolution of Jesse's game, even just over this short season Um, and leading into the playoffs, it can only mean good things, but man, was that shot on the, uh, on the when he came into the zone and just cranked it that's that is vintage good good hockey that i love to see and you just you you can't you can't beat that kid's enthusiasm right now for the uh, for the game of hockey i want to talk about jesse a little bit later but yeah he's been a lot of fun to watch goals in three straight games for him now my biggest problem with puliarvi is that i did not bet more money on him going over eight and a half goals at the start of the season that's my biggest problem tyler your thoughts on wednesday's loss to montreal yeah, a little bit of a letdown. I thought the Oilers just weren't very sharp mentally even. I felt like there were some brain farts in that game, and, and that last goal was a prime example of it. Like, everyone was kind of guilty of it. Yep. Um, yeah, I think some frustration obviously showed through. It's one of those losses, though, that I wasn't, like, I wasn't staying up kicking myself about any one aspect of it or anything like that, um, just because sometimes you, sometimes you just aren't the better hockey team, and they played great on Monday. The third period was fantastic. Um, and in the final few minutes of that game, the Oilers were great at pouring on the pressure as well, which again, I think showed you a glimpse of why they might be tough to put away in a playoff series. If they, if they have that sort of resilience in their game, but I don't know, I just kind of shrugged. Like it wasn't a huge loss. It wasn't one where they played so bad that I'm concerned about things leaking in to like, you know, bad habits and all that. It was just, nope. just a loss and simple as that almost, I don't know. It's kind of a lame answer, but I I think it's also, it's not easy to sweep a team in the NHL, no. you know, it's, it's just not. So it was a tough one. Um, but I, I would agree with Tyler. It's not like that wasn't one of those losses. We just been like, fuck, they were bad. It just, that wasn't it. It's just mistakes ended up in the net. Like look at the, well, first of all, the refing was atrociously inconsistent that night. And when you think about the dry sidle penalty in the corner, which was dog shit ending Terrible. up in the, game winner which was just a brain fart by archibald basically shooting it on his own net and but then a brain fart by in. smith as well like he smith yeah, just, it was just let it like just cover the puck it out. Yeah. yeah it was just like it was like a, a series of errors that ended badly it happens sometimes uh, i had a bigger problem with the initial call on that power play than anything but yeah we will get to that in a moment. I want to give a shout out to our friends at Cornerstone Insurance. Go check them out at cornerstoneins.ca. For 90 years and four generations, Cornerstone Insurance has been a family and employee-owned business here in Edmonton with all of your insurance needs. They will cover it. House, personal, automotive, you got it. Cornerstoneins.ca. Go check them out if you need a quote or if you need some help. Or if you just want to say hi, they're very friendly. Very, very friendly indeed. Cornerstoneins.ca. All right. We got to talk about the refs. Have to do it. But first, I want to say a five-star review. This one is from Urban Achiever. Came in last week. 
uh, I guess earlier this week, every episode for the last month, there is someone crunching something and it's annoying as fuck. Please, anyone else hear this? Speak up. Guys, what is that crunching sound? Five it's Rick's review. beard. <laughs> I guarantee you there's no crunching today. I know it is Rick's beard. It's the best because, okay, to take you behind the scenes, dear Urban Achiever, every week before we start this podcast, we do a little preamble, a little chat, see what's going on, make sure that we're all covering everything. And we get this. I don't know if, is it coming through? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. So right now I'm just rubbing my, my microphone on my, on my whiskers. And Rick has got himself a big old COVID beard right now. And that's what that is. We tell him, Tyler's told him multiple times. And uh, you will notice, at t- now li- listen back. This is my challenge. Listen back and see exact moments when that scratching stops. And you will know that Tyler sent a message to the group text telling Rick to pull the fucking mic away from his beard. There's got to be a better way to get him a different mic here. Yes. Is he like holding it in his mouth? Why is he, why is he holding well, it no, against his so, chin when he's talking? So he uses like the Apple headphones, right? So it's his like mic, yeah. his, his mic is just a little bit too close to his beard. So whenever he moves his head, it rubs up against uh, the beard. And it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like he has a handful of poker chips that he's like juggling up and down next to his mic. It's brutal. I love yeah, it. The day, but... At the end of the day, Tyler, you need to take that out and post, right? That's my other favorite thing too. People are like, you need to edit that better. And I'm like, you've clearly never worked with audio. If you think you can just like take, it's like, Josh, you know, it's like if you record in a windstorm, you can't just be like, oh, I'll edit yeah, out no. the wind. Yeah, I'll just take the I, wind out. It's all good. Hey, I used to produce this podcast back in the day. And I'm telling you, we didn't have beard scratching back then. We were all in the same room and had normal microphones, but uh, that is a different thing. That is a different thing. And I was making it up as I went. Holy. All right. So. Mr. Urban Achiever, your feedback is heard. We will see if we can't get Rick some kind of headset or something, you know, because he and I use the exact same microphone and you don't get that same scratching from old bag. Mm-hmm. You know, although today the only issue the listeners are going to have is that at one point my internet shit out. Um, so Dan and bag milk lagged a little, but I'm going to edit that as best as I can. So hopefully they didn't notice. Well, this is what happens when we podcast during a fucking pandemic people. I haven't been in the same room as Tyler in over a year and a half. Weird. True story. So sad. I've never yeah. been in the same room as you. So that is true. Josh, we've never really? been in the same room. Never. Not wow. once. Not once. So I was sad. at an oil Kings game when you were hosting it one time. Oh, you were in a big right. room together. Yeah. A giant room. room. And I've I met used... Tyler lots. <laughs> oh yeah. I see Josh. I was, hey, superstar. That's what I always say when I see Josh at oil Kings games. Aww, he's the superstar good. of those games. Yeah, he's so good. Thanks Tyler. I think it's hilarious though that Josh is coming up on his year anniversary with the nation here in the next couple of months. And yeah, we've never been in the same room. Never met. He's never one. been in the same room as most of the people on the team, actually. No. Mostly Jay. Jay. I just spend all my time with Jay. Yep. Just all your time with Jay. All your time with Jay. That's why he's trying to, that's why you got him. Oh, by the way, since you spend so much time with Jay, can you walk us through how you made him do that cotton eye Joe can't stomp for TikTok? Oh my gosh. Okay. So Jerry texted me. Yeah, so Jared texts me and he's like, hey, man, we need some nation beer content. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I- I've made a couple random videos in my basement, but he wanted some more like engaging content. So I was just scrolling through TikTok, of course. You know, Bag Milk, this is what we do. Of course. And of course. one of those came up and it was like this like decently attractive girl doing it. And she kind of sucked at doing it and it got a million likes. And I was like, Jake can do this. 
Yeah. So I texted him when I was like, Jay's gotta, decently attractive. Well, yeah. I'm like, Jay's decently good looking. Like we could maybe make this happen. So then I texted him and then I texted Jared and got like nine empty nation beer cans. And then we met up and I texted him the video and Jay's like, yeah, let's freaking do it. So then we Jared did is- it. And then the best part is that we only had one shot at it and I'd never actually recorded like a TikTok in that format before. <laughs> so like we're we, we had one shot at this. And then after he finished stomping, I don't know if you guys saw in the video, he did like this little dance. <laughs> and it was like the way he started jumping around doing this dance. And he's like, as soon as we finish recording, he goes, man, I'm going to get buried online for this. So of course <laughs> I had to keep the whole thing in, but yeah, it was funny. It was good uh, stuff. I'm going to repost it. One take Downton. That's what we call him. Yep. That's what we call him. All right. There gives you a little look behind the scenes at Jay doing uh cotton eye Joe stomps. All right. I want to move along a little bit. So Wednesday night's game covered a couple of things for the roster though. My boy, Ryan Nugent Hopkins back in the lineup. I actually thought they were going to give him a night off because they had those extra four days between that game and Monday's game against the jets, but he did not. I don't think he looked um, all that sharp to be honest. I thought he looked, I still think new just battling confidence a little bit. He had an opportunity near the side of the net where he had a clean look and he just kind of duffed his shot. He doesn't look like the same guy that was ripping it up last year. I hope the goal he scored near the end of the game to make it four, two is going to kind of give him some of that mojo back. But Tyler, I was thinking about it as we were getting ready for the podcast. We haven't been able to text each other the The low shot. Yeah. Fist up, knee up, Selly. We Tyler and I last year would text each other all the time. All the time. Low shot, fist pump, Selly. And we would do it all the time. We just haven't been able to do it all that much. So real quick in a couple of sentences, what do you think of Nuge coming back for the first game in a few scoring towards the end of the game? But again, I still think he's, I still think he's fighting it a little bit. Yeah. So what I'll say about Nuge is last game, I thought he was okay. And I think there is room for improvement there. I think he'll get more comfortable as he gets a few more games under his belt here. He's clearly fighting a confidence thing, but he gets that goal at the end of the game. And I saw some people who were like, Oh, McDavid basically just all he had to do was move his stick a little. And it went in like McDavid did everything, but shoot the puck for him. And when he scores an easy goal, people shit on him for being like, Oh, that's on the power play. And McDavid did all the work. It doesn't count. Then when he doesn't score those goals, people say, oh, all he's got to do is fucking tap in the puck. He plays with McDavid. It's the easiest job in the world. So, like, you can't be on both sides of that argument. And, listen, I understand people want Nuge to drive play more and yada, 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 yada. But he's not that guy. Like, at this point, he's a really, really good complimentary player. And he has a his defensive game is good as well. And, like, that's what we should be expecting out of him. Everyone's, like thinking he's going to return into this like 50 goal a year sniper like Leon Dreisaitl did. And like, just don't put those expectations on him. And I I think it's a bit of a confidence thing. He's slumping a little bit this season. Who knows if the contract situation's weighing on him as well, but I refuse to believe it's not. I I think he'll turn it around still. Like, I think this is a guy who there's too much natural talent there for him to not go on a heater at some point. And fuck, if he stays cold for the rest of the regular season, but it means he's red hot for game one of the playoffs. I'll take that shit. No kidding. So it's, I agree. It's like Nuge is going to get back to where he's at. Like the funny thing is with the Oilers fans and I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes the body of work as a whole, if you look back the last two, three, three and a half seasons with Nuge and Hopkins, he's been great. 
This year, contract year has not been great. Edmonton fans specifically love to take shots at guys who are negotiating new contracts. We're seeing it with Nuge. We're seeing it with Tyson Berry. We're seeing it with Larson yesterday after uh, Jim Matheson tweeted that maybe it's a four-year deal on an extension, something like that. But whenever you need a new contract in Edmonton, you are going to take some heat. And he's not having a great year is the reality of it. But I also don't think he's having a disastrous season either. It's somewhere in the middle of those two. And if he can get going towards the playoffs, that is going to be a major addition for this team because he is still the third best forward on the roster. Josh Park, your thoughts? Yeah. Nuge first came back after suffering a concussion. Yeah, you guys know this. Or Bag Milk, you might know this. Like I've been a little bit slightly outwardly skeptical of Ryan Nuge and Hopkins this season. Like I say what you mean <laughs> to say. Come uh, on. I, Just because I, I'm staring at you now, Josh, don't uh, need to back it off. Perfect, dude. Uh He's been bad. He's had a bad season, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And, well, you know, well, no, I don't wanna, let, him, let the man speak. Season. Let the man speak. Okay. Like okay. five on five on five. It's been a struggle. But at the same time, you, you take that as you do, because at the same time, you know, on the power play, he's picking up the points where he does. And, and Tyler, I'll agree with you on the point that you made when you said, you know, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to if you're going to criticize him when he doesn't shoot the puck on the power play or five on five in those situations, then you can't also be like, well, yeah, he didn't have to do any other work when he scored that goal on Wednesday night. I like that goal. He shot the puck. He scored a goal. We like to see that from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And that's what we're going to need at the end of the season here. And that's what we're going to need going into playoffs. So no, it's, it's, I hope it's a kick in the right direction for him. Um, Do I think that this is the same level of output we're going to see, you know, next year because I'm in I'm in the mindset that Ryan Nugent Hopkins will be an oiler next season. Bag Malk, I'll say it. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is an oiler next season. He's going to resign with this team. And do I think that this level of output that he's having this season is going to be the same next season? No. This is a down year for him. Guys go through down years. You know, it's a contract year. That's weighing on him. There's a confidence thing there that's just not working for him right now. So, you know, like Tyler said, if he can get red hot going into the playoffs here and if he can kind of even – elevate his contribution a little bit, then that'll be a big boost for the Oilers. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm hoping it'll start trending in the right direction, but you really, you think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the third best forward on this team? Easily. You do? You think so? You don't think JP is almost there yet? No, I, I think right no. now JP is playing like the third best player yes. on the team. But if you go, you know, it top potential wise right now, Nugent Hopkins, I, I would still expect him when, when all send done at the end of the year to, to turn it around at some point. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. Nuge is too good to, and it's, there's, I think there's a lot going into it. If you, I think we as fans can be guilty of treating players like robots a little bit. You can't tell me that a contract extension with the only, only organization he's ever known isn't weighing on him. It has to be. If this was a year ago, we'd be talking about, you know, maybe two years ago, we'd be talking about Nuge signing for seven and something because there was no pandemic and everybody would be like, yeah, that makes sense. But now it's a flat cap in the middle of a fucking shit storm and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, Dan finishes off Nuge and Hopkins. This is going longer than I thought it would. Go ahead. Buddy. Yeah, I think just for me, the the one thing that I find myself saying when when a play doesn't go Nuge's way is just that it's just that he's missing that little bit of finish at the end of his, at the end of his play he's that you just it. came, you, you come to expect from him. Um, and I think that that's where what Tyler was talking about 
and I and I'll speak to it more when we talk about the refereeing, but it's it's confirmation bias, right? You you believe that something is an issue for him, and then you see it, and you're like, exactly, I was right, right? And and I think Oilers fans and hockey fans in general get guilty of that quite often, and so yeah, you 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 can't forget, you can't just throw away the last whatever seasons five six seasons of of ryan nugent hopkins career and pretend like well this is the new player that we have now this is the new normal for ryan nugent hopkins it's just not the case it's silly to do it that way it's a good thing for the team that he's had a little bit of a struggle right because the contract isn't isn't going to be as astronomical as it could be if he was having a career career year so so be happy with that and again when it when it really comes down to it we're in the playoffs now we need these guys to come around come playoff time. It doesn't matter if they score 17 goals against the Vancouver Canucks in those five games, as long as they're scoring those goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, whoever we end up playing. Uh, it's, it's for a very, ex- I think it's funny when a player, Josh brought up, he's having a down year. I think it's funny when a player has a down year, which happens all the time. And the reactions to said down year are very funny to me. They're so extreme. Look at Taylor Hall when he was in Buffalo, people just thought he forgot how to play hockey or something. You know what I mean? Obviously confidence was, he was battling confidence there. Probably pressure, chase that the entire bag, team sucks. The whole thing, everything was a train wreck. And then he goes to Boston, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Taylor Hall still knows how to play hockey. That makes sense, you know." Well, and he's also playing on a wing with the greatest player in the NHL right now, right? And so there's that expectation that he should be the second best player in the NHL because he's riding the coattails of McDavid or whatever. Oh, oh we're talking about Nooch. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I thought you were talking sorry. about Hall. I'm like, when did David, David Krejci get this yeah. game? Yeah, I was like, Dan's a really big David Krejci guy. Wow. Most wow. underrated player ever. He's actually the greatest. No, for me, for Nooch, I think that that's a lot of people's yeah. issue too, right? They expect him to be the Leon Drysaddle, and he's just not. That's That's okay. But yeah, it's, I like uh, the new line combos, though. I think that'll yep. help Nuge. We're yep. going to get to that in two seconds. But first, I just want to wrap up that series against Montreal. Bad news in terms of a couple of players. Let's talk about it. Jujar Kara got concussed again. Um, he looked, it took, I don't know what you guys thought, but as I was watching the play come together, the hit looked just very normal. It just looked like a very normal hit that a player would take in the NHL, but obviously the results were anything but as JJ, uh, JJ got the wobbly legs needed help getting off the ice, obviously having two concussions in a span of a month is bad, bad news. Uh, so around the horn really quickly thoughts on JJ. Well, I'll say this first. It came out this morning. I don't remember who said it on Twitter. I saw that they said that actually right before the hit, that I believe it was Romanov laid on Jujar Kara. Apparently he like hit his head on the glass or something. So he was actually kind of dazed going into that hit. And then it was the hit that kind of set him over the edge. So apparently going into that whole situation, he was already kind of loopy. And then the hit obviously elevated the situation. So yeah, tough situation with JJ. Um, You hate seeing that twice in the same month. Uh, It's a part of the game, which is a sad thing to say, but it's good to hear that he's skating today. And, you know, you hope you hope for a quick return on them. Who knows if it's going to be, you know, this regular season or if it'll head into the playoffs. You hope that they would take the most extreme caution on this just because it is a head thing. And I'm sure they do. There's a lot of smart doctors over there with the Oilers that'll figure it out. But, yeah, I just wanted to say that before we got into it, that it said that um, I don't remember who said it, but apparently he, he hit his head on the glass or something laying a hit. So he was already kind of dazed on that shift and then just got banged up. So, yeah. Brutal well, look. Dan. And I, and I think Josh, you said it too, you know, like one of the things that 
fans we get guilty of because we have become more informed on head injuries and, and injuries in general is that we all just want to err on the side of caution. But at the end of the day, these are NHL players and they're not here because they, they know how to take a day off. They're here because they, they go to work and they like to go to work and that's just their default. Now, Yes, you absolutely hope that the doctors step in and say, you know what, it is time to take a day off Jujar and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, he does have his his own future in his hands. And so you have to respect that. He came out, maybe it was, maybe he was, you know, still a little prone to getting a concussion and it happened. Um, but, you know, it, you know, it looks like he's coming back here right away and, and you hope that he's, you hope that he's feeling okay with it. And then that's all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, Tyler, before I get to you, Dave Tippett says Kara will need to complete more tests Says Kara hit his head against the glass. So it was Dave Tippett that said it, uh, trying to make a check about 10 seconds earlier. Kara won't be back in the lineup without doctors signing off on it. His health is of the utmost importance there. Tyler wrap us up on JJ. Yeah. Like he obviously can't come back till he clears protocols. Then doctors give him the thumbs up. And what I would do is I would even say, you know, let's say a week from now he gets clearance. I'd say, you know what, Jujar, we're keeping you out another week and we'll give you the last three, four games of the regular season to get back up to speed. But like, let's not risk this thing here. One, he's an important part of that forward group Two, Like you said, uh, his health is the most important thing here. So just don't risk it. And especially don't risk it for meaningless regular season games. Wait till he's hundred percent, wait a little longer, make sure everything's good. Get him going hard in practice and, and then put him back in the lineup. But there's zero, zero, zero need to rush this thing. Yep, I agree completely. I think Jujar is obviously a massive part of this team. He's played very well, too. So to see him have this kind of run of tough luck in terms of his health, is it's, it's a real bummer because I'm a huge Jujar guy. I've loved his season so far, and I hope that he can be healthy. And I, I'm with Tyler. Take the time. Take extra time. It's, it's not just hockey in terms of a head injury. It's the rest of his life as well. So I know doctor is going to be taking care of it. I know the Oilers is going to be looking at it. And Dave Tippett talked about the utmost uh, caution in this scenario. So that's how it's got to be. Also bad news. Zach Cassian looks like he's going to be out a while, according to Dave Tippett. Still no clarification necessarily on what that means, but it doesn't really look like it was a Charlie horse as was kind of speculated though. I know those can take a minute to get over, but I don't know. I don't know what do you guys think. Like, obviously we're guessing don't take, you know, don't buy into what we're saying here. I'm just purely guessing that it looked like his knee hit the boards to me. And I wonder if that popped out. Once upon a time, Mr. Josh Park, when I was playing peewee, I dislocated my kneecap and it went all the way up into my thigh and it had to get no. pulled down by doctors. So, Are you serious? Yeah, it was up near that's my... That's yeah, disgusting. Way up there. So Tyler's going to throw up right now. That's so fun. <laughs> first thing I thought of was him hitting his knee directly on the boards. Uh, um, I hope that's not the case because for me, it was a fucking nightmare. Um Big question. What do you guys think? Begmo, can you move your kneecap still around? No, no. But uh, this, my left shoulder, I'll show you guys one time. My left shoulder, I dislocated really, really badly in Bantam. Like when I, and it was in practice, of course. So when I got up, my shoulder was down kind of near my ribs. And I'm like, oh, that's bad. And then now, (laughs) as a result, now as a result, I can grab my wrist and pull this left shoulder out of its socket very easily. It moves. (laughs) <laughs> not down by an inch or two. I hate you. I'm, I'm going to for Tyler. 
Yeah, for Tyler, I'll talk about and Josh, I'll talk about uh, Cassian. I think I think for like the guy, the big man now has had what three injuries this season? Two, it's three been a tough injury, season. Tough season. So so you know for him, he played probably his best game of the year against Montreal in the first one. So you know maybe he is just he is just feeling some general body aches, and they are looking at pushing him for the playoffs kind of thing now and maybe get him a game in or a game two in before the end of the season. But yeah, I'm, I'm okay with these guys getting the time off, especially for a guy in Cassian where we need his physicality in the playoffs. It was just such a bummer. We we already said it Monday's game against Montreal was his best of the season. And he finally looked like he was Zach Cassian again. And it's just such a bummer that he got hurt the opening minutes of Wednesday's game. But Josh, what do you think about Cass going up? Yeah. Tough finally saw the wires cross on Monday again, and he was dialed in old Zach Gassie mode. And then he just freaking rails his knee off the board. So obviously tough situation. You hope the best for him. And it's such a weird thing because they haven't really come out and said what exactly the injury is. Like you said, bag milk, we can kind of assume it's a, it's an LBI, probably the knee, but Dave Tippett, literally all he said was Gassie is just going to be out an extended amount of time. Yeah. So if, does that mean a week? Does that mean two weeks? Does that mean the rest of the season? Is he going to have to get ACL surgery? Who knows what's going on? But you hope he's back for the postseason because obviously, although he's struggled a little bit this season, he brings an added element. And we've seen him in the past, 2017, Cassian, when he gets into uh, gets into playoff mode, he can kind of go banana lines. So, yeah. Tyler? Tippett did say, you know, they'll address this a little bit more tomorrow. So I'm sure by the time a lot of people listen to this podcast, we'll have more info on it. Same thing as Kara. Just if he needs to be held out until the final two games of the regular season, like just fucking do it and then let him come back. Use those last couple games as a mini training camp and be ready to go game one of the playoffs. Hopefully it's not so serious that he has to miss playoff games because I mean, those are coming up in about a month now. So um, hopefully it's not too, too bad um, considering how he's been playing this year. It, it's not the major loss. It may have been last year when he was, you know, on a bit of a heater. So hopefully he's back. Hopefully he's vintage Cassian for the playoffs. Agreed. Uh, with injuries come new line combos. So let's dive into some line combos, boys. I actually like how Dave Tippett put these together. I'm going to give him some love. So here's what we got. Cahoon, McDavid, Pugliarvi. Cahoon getting the bump up to McDiesel. Nuge, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto. Keeping those three together, despite the fact that they were a little bit quiet on Wednesday. I like it. Ennis, Haas, Archibald. And then the fourth line we rounded out with Neil Shore and Chieson with... Nygaard, Turis, and Patrick Russell taking the extra laps. Nurse, Barry, Kulikov in with Larson, which I think is interesting. I was actually hoping he would be with Bear, but we'll talk about that. Nurse, Barry, Kulikov, Larson, Jones, Bear. Uh, Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Anywhere you want to go. I like it. I think the idea of keeping dry Nuge and Yamo together is good. I think McDavid and Pugliarvi are finding something here. And whoever you throw on that left side, they just need to catch lightning in a bottle for two or three weeks. So this setup in the top six gives you the best chance of having two elite scoring lines. So I think that's the way you need to roll in the bottom six. Tyler Ennis has produced decent offense at five on five. I don't mind him with Haas and Archibald. The third or the fourth line of Neil Shore and Chase on, or it could end up being Neil Kara and Chase on. That trio was good in the playoffs last, or in the bubble last year. Shore's having a good year. No problems with the forward group. On the blue line, I'm with you. I would have liked to see Kulikov with Bear and Jones with Larson, but here's what I'll say. I actually think that might flip-flop depending on if they have home ice advantage or not. And you put the two shutdown guys together, you put the two puck movers together. When you're on home ice and you can pick where you start them and pick your matchups, when you're in the offensive zone, you start the two offensive guys. When you're in the defensive zone and Shifley's on the ice, 
you start the two shutdown guys. When you go on the road to say it's Winnipeg again, and you, you mix it up and you have a puck mover and a shutdown guy on each pair so that no matter what the matchups are, you feel confident. So I think the D pairings will flip a lot throughout the year. So I'm not even reading too much into these. Josh, line combos. Uh, as a fan, I love McDavid and Drysaddle playing together. Obviously, I know in playoffs, that's not a realistic situation. You got to have them on two separate lines. You want to have two scoring lines. JP McDavid, like Tyler said, you know, they're really starting to develop some chemistry there. You hope that the Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, Yamamoto line can get into a similar mojo that we saw out of them last year before they entered the bubble. And on that left side with Dominic Cahoon, is he the ideal fit there? You know, probably not. If Cassian was healthy, I've always been a fan of the Cassian McDavid Cooley-Arvey line. I don't think they've really given that a good enough of a look this year. So if Cassian was healthy, I would like to see him on the first line on the left side. I know it's like you just finished saying he has had a tough season, so why are you putting him on the first line? But anyways, uh, I'm interested to see what they do with Ryan McLeod when he comes into the lineup. You know, is James Neal the guy that's going to come out? Is Tyler Ennis going to be the guy that comes out? You know, we've seen a couple different instances this year where and Tyler Ennis kind of gets the short end of the stick and then ends up coming out of the roster uh, with Dave Tippett. But, you know, I, I've liked Devin Shore this year. I really like him on that fourth line. I think him and Chason actually have a little bit of chemistry going on. And then James Neal, if he can get the foot speed up, then just freaking do it, James Neal. <laughs> those, boots but, are, those boots are slow. This It's, it's like, a schlog. It's almost like yeah. you need to put Connor out there just pushing him around. <laughs> You know, like, like I don't, I don't remember is, him being well, that slow last year, buddy. It's a struggle for James Neal. You know that drill you used to have to do in minor hockey, where you have to hold the guy's stick and carry him and like pull him yes. through the ice. They should just have them do that on the breakout, and Neal just grabs onto McDavid and like stays up to speed as they go up for a rush. Yeah. Hey, did anyone versus... else notice this? Oh, sorry. Okay, can I say one other quick thing? Ben? Of course. No. I just wanted to say, did did anyone, Tyler? You're gonna <laughs> want to hear this, man. Did anyone notice? Did it look like James Neal was wearing like a Danny Heatley style rock star visor on Wednesday? He, he His visor, visor. looked yep. way darker. It did. Yeah, I uh, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me because I'd had a couple of cocktails during the game, and I was just like, okay, get hey, out there. You had your own tinted visor on, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And then also, I want to say I like. Um, I like Jones with Bear still just because I think it kind of is a little bit of a safety blanket for Jones because we've seen a couple times, especially last game, that trying to get the puck out of his own end, sometimes it can be a little bit of a hand grenade. So I like having Bear with him. You can say the same thing about having Kulikov with Larson because neither of them are really puck movers, but at the same time, they're going to take so many defensive zone draws and that's not really their game. So, well, their game is taking defensive zone draws, but just shutting down in their own end. But Dan, up to Dan, you. wrap us up on the line combos. I, I, you guys, you guys have already talked about most of the things. I just, I mentioned it on State of the Nation that I, I want to see this Kulikov Larson matchup. I, I like it. I like the idea of the the old like uh, Chris Pronger, Jason Smith kind of, you know, just mash the other team's top lines and and then you go out and you score some goals with Nurse and Bear. So yeah, for me, I, I'm I'm interested to see the defensive pairings just because I, I do think that we have a real strength there going into the playoffs. With like Tyler said, with the utility knife style of pairing where we don't have to necessarily have guys stapled with each other. Everybody's pretty comfortable with each other right now on that D back end. So I'm happy with that. Uh, just to wrap things up on the defense before we move into the ref talk. Um, Jason Gregory yesterday on OilersNation.com said the Oilers and Evan Bouchard and his agent discussed him going back to Bakersfield, but it was deemed that the best 
solution is to stay with the team, which I find interesting. I'd rather have him playing, but I don't know what it went into that. So that is an interesting thing. It's also going to be interesting that the Oilers are going to have the Slater Cuckoo coming back here at some point. So they have got 9 million defensemen that are going to be available. So I imagine these combinations are going to change heavily between now and the end of the year. Real quick, before we get into the Deuce Vodka Hot and Cold Performers, I just want to talk about the refs. Uh, Wednesday was a train wreck. I wrote it in the wrap-up. First two periods were prison rules out there. I thought I thought Koskinen was making shanks at the end of the bench for the boys, but then moving into the third, things changed, and the refs were calling stuff that were that was odd. I've already complained about the dry saddle penalty that led to the game-winning goal, but... I think the refs in the NHL are trash. They're so inconsistent that it bothers me. Bring in fucking robots for all I care because this is really annoying me. I don't want to uh, – that's my piece. I'm going to let it – I'm going to let you guys have yours. Your thoughts. Well, for me, this this sentence game management has just absolutely given referees the and, – and again, it's, it's something that has existed before this, but we now have a term for it, and it just seems to be giving referees a reason to just not call the rule book. They get to pick and choose when they want to call stuff because it they can put that little possession arrow on one side of their brain or not. And and it it's so frustrating as a fan because like you said, Beg Milk, you don't know what's gonna happen period to period, minute to minute, where where a call is gonna happen, where it's not gonna happen. If if you want to come out and say, like I, like I, I mentioned in my tweets during the game, put up that possession arrow, put up that bonus arrow where you just point to a team. The referee gives one team the advantage on a, on a, you know, on a, on a foul that they don't want to necessarily call as a penalty, but don't pretend like it's something that we should all just understand and trust the referees on. That's where I get frustrated with it. Tyler, you go ahead. Call the book, Tyler. Yeah, call the fucking book. And I'm trying to make it a goal to stop bitching about it on Twitter, even though anytime you complain about penalties or officiating on Twitter, those tweets do fucking numbers, baby. Um, nope. So it's really good for the engagement <laughs> to just nope. like throw out there. Um, oh, chasing. Yeah, but no, like I, I feel like I need to stop bitching about it because it's never going to change. It's nope. just not. Shea Weber can lay as much lumber into the back of whoever that he wants to in front of good the veteran net. guy. Yeah. Good veteran guy. That's how you play star players tough. And Hey, it's in front of the net. That's the tough areas of the ice, but then dry steamrolls, Joel Edmondson, the second he lets go of the puck and it's fucking interference. I thought both the tripping calls on the goalies were fucking needless. Like there's just so much stuff that they let go. That made no sense that they called that then made less sense. And that's just the way it's going to be. And you know what? Giddy up, Oilers fans, because the playoffs is going to piss you off 10 times more than this shit is. Yep. Josh, wrap us up. Yeah, there's an elite level or there's an elite group of players in the NHL that will never get a penalty called on them. It's Shea Weber, Ryan Getzlav, Jeff Carter, those guys. Like, they'll just never call penalties on these guys. I don't know if it's because they're a 1,000 years old or what it is, but it's ridiculous. They got to start calling the rule book. Tyler, I agree with you. Tweets complaining about the refs always do numbers. (laughs) Numbers. Always. It's the best. Ah, uh, but yeah, it's terrible. That's all I have to say. Horrible. Tyler, get your buttons ready. I it am. is time for the Deuce Vodka Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. Now, Josh, we did give you a warning this time. Yeah. So you will be participating. But first, yep. I want to let you know that if you go to deucevodka.com forward slash find us, you will first see a very handsome picture of Brett Kissel. Second, you will find a store locator for where you can find this delicious vodka. I recommend that you make yourself a cocktail. I recommend that you enjoy responsibly. And I recommend that you go to deucevodka.com forward slash find us. Check out the store locator. If you have questions, 
You can also email sales at deucevodka.com. Again, everything you need is at deucevodka.com. As we do every week, we start off with our veggies here in the Hot and Cold Performers. Josh, you're first up. The pressure is on. Your Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week. My Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week is going to be uh, Alberta weather. It's cold. I don't like it. I want to golf. And I just frankly have not been satisfied so far over the last like week here. And it's not supposed to be great for the next week either. I want to golf. Uh, I want to get outside. I want to get my, my Miami beach tent going on and I'm not able to. I'll get so it my, my cold performer is the weather. Oh, get cold. Literally. Yeah. Literally, literally. I know that's kind of a cop out. So that's such an easy answer, but I just want to lose money on the golf course. So I, w- I just want to get a bronze too, baby. I tan beautifully. Uh, Dan, oh, you're I next up. You do. Deuce Vodka, Cold Performer of the Week. Uh, well, mine's going to go out to some hockey fans. Uh, a highlight that came out of the last game against the Montreal Canadiens that everybody seemed to be playing in Montreal Canadiens land was Connor McDavid catching Corey Perry with a little uh, cold arm shiver, you know? And uh, it's as if it's as if hockey fans forgot who Corey Perry is. Like, all of a sudden, Connor McDavid is is elbowing the Lady Bing nominee or something. It's it's comical to me. The, the guy was reaching for Connor McDavid's stick. He told him to get off, and he caught it. You know, he caught an, he caught an elbow. It is what it is. But also, Corey Perry... Great sell job because you got you got these hockey fans going. You yeah. got them fired up. McDavid is our goon. Thank you, hockey fans. You're my cold performer of the week. Worse. Worse. The funny thing about that one too is first of all, Corey Perry sold it like you got what you got. But the second thing is we were just talking about the refs. When they're not calling the book, that creates an environment where a guy like Corey Perry, that's what he's made for. He knows he can go fuck shit up and nothing is going to get called. And that's exactly what he did. Tyler, your next Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week. There was uh, big waves made the other day online when it came out that I had never eaten a Donair before. Yes. And that changed yesterday, thanks to Jay Downton, who sent a Donair to my house via Skip the Dishes. <laughs> Shout out to Skip the Dishes. Shout out to the Skip the Dishes <laughs> driver who knew he was delivering my first over Donair. That was awesome. Um, but... I had my first donair. And let me just say this. It wasn't oh. bad. It wasn't bad, but everyone overhypes these things. They nope. seem to be something that is only good when you're drunk. No. Nope. Um and also, also let me say this. All the people who were shitting on me for being like, oh, you fucking ate it wrong. Oh, there's lettuce on it, you fucking moron. <laughs> eating your donairs of lettuce like an idiot, like a little boy. Like <laughs> Just everything that surrounded <laughs> my first ever Donair experience was negative. So I, my whole first Donair experience gets the cold performer of the week. What the hell is going on? That's heartbreaking to me. I thought lettuce always goes on Donairs. No, oh. and then you have people like shitting, on, the or shitting on me in the not. mentions. Like I did it myself. Yeah. It depends. So the thing with yeah, Donairs Tyler, is, what are you doing? The thing with Donairs is it's, they're intensely personal. First yep. of all, and if you subscribe to the Halifax style donor, there's no lettuce on it. Whereas, there's no lettuce or cheese. Whereas we got one from just a place near Tyler, and we just let the artist create as they wish. And the things that were funny to me was yes, the reaction to t- Tyler didn't know he didn't have it, so he unpacked it and he ate it like a taco, which was hilarious. But <laughs> the reactions were so funny. Okay, and so, that's the other thing too. 
I ate it like a taco, which is like fucking fine. That's pretty much the shape it's in in the wrapper. And people were like, "You're an idiot. Do you know that? You're so stupid. That's you not even a donor anymore." Like people are going after Tyler. That would be like if if so I ate a cup of soup in a mug, and people would be like, "Oh, that's not a cup of soup, you idiot. That's in a <laughs> mug, you fucking dick." Like, come on. Uh, it was great. It was great, Tyler. I promise you, your next donor will be better when we get to when we're able to get together. Yeah. Cause you got a picture. There's a whole vibe. I told you this yesterday. We all get together a nation event at the pint when we're able, we're safe and we're all vaccinated. And then we have cocktails all day. And when we're time to shut the night down, we wander over to Donair shop for a 1am Donair as a crew. That is where the money's at. And that's the Donair experience. I want you to have not one that's been traveled. I have my been. first Donair when I started with the nation, Tyler. So don't worry. I'm with you. Jay yeah. took me. And do you love them? Uh good. Like I, I, we had one, we had two. One of them I had half sweet sauce, half garlic sauce, and that was good. You ought to have half and half. Josh has that. hated on Donairs and Nugent Hopkins this episode. I'm gonna get fired. I don't hate. No, <laughs> I don't hate on either. Really I, I love Nuge and Donairs are not bad. Doesn't sound like either. In my opinion. I'm texting Jay right now. One second. <laughs> All right. Okay, just to wrap us up, uh, Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week for me. Boys, uh, all I'm looking at all of you. I will confess I had a very bad betting week. It is it was a bad week for Bag Milk's bankroll. I was feeling good. I was betting with my heart, and unfortunately, it did not work for me. Although I did win one ridiculous parlay on no goal scorers that Tyler yes! got us to do on on real life and it was a seven leg parlay that only landed me at plus 110 and uh at least i got it but that was the only bet that i won so i am not doing very well this week deuce vodka cold performer of the week is me betting boy that escalated quickly it did escalate quickly and what de-escalated quickly is my fucking bankroll flipping the ledger to the positive side of our week the Deuce Vodka Hot Performers of the Week. I'm going to go ahead and start this one off because I'm selfish. So I'm going to give a shout out to our new social media coordinator, Matthew Wozniak. The Woz. The Woz. He just started with The Nation this week. He's creating for us on Instagram, on Reels, and the stories, on the feed, on TikTok. He is helping us increase our social game and improve it there. So I'm just going to give my Hot Performer of the Week to Woz on your first week of The Nation. I like this right here. You should like that right there. Next up on my screen is Dan. You're up next. Your Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week. Mine's pretty short, quick, and simple. With eight points in his last three games this week, it's Connor McDavid. You guys, you guys all know him. We all love him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a treat to – he could be a Hot Performer of the Week every week, but he's my Hot Performer of the Week this week. Put some respect on my name. Oh, see, I was expecting you to go, he's a hot guy. Ah, oh, damn, I should have done that. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. Isn't that um, Bob Cole? He's a hot guy. There we go. All right, Josh Park, you're up next. You're Deuce Vodka, hot performer of the week. I am going to switch it on the fly here. I was going to say Jesse Pugliarvi, but since Dan said no Oilers player, I'm going to switch it up slightly just a little bit. I'm going to go with my boy Jack Michaels. Yes. Jack Michaels is hot right now. Yeah, he's just Jack. So Jack, hot. Can I, can I play this whole clip to celebrate Jack Michaels? Yeah, play it. Have a glory fight. Bear throws the right hand. 
in. Here comes Cam Talbot and Mike Smith. They're going to go with center ice. Talbot short with the right hand. Smith, three clubbing right hands. Right hand Talbot. Big right-handed shot from Mike Smith. This is the battle of Alberta we've been waiting for for three decades. How can you not love him, man? Oh, oh, fuck. I'm fired up right now. Just, I, I... I, I love the way Jack Michaels calls games. He is I mean, everyone. He is every one of us, but he's in front of a microphone. That's all it is, right? If we all had to talk about our emotions, we'd be talking like Jack does. And he also has the voice of an angel. And just yeah, the way he oh. the way he describes the play, his flowery language, the descriptors he uses, the way he just punctuates certain things in the in sentences. Down the stretch we come makes me laugh Pulsating. every fucking time. Jack Michael's excellent pick, Jar. You can but tell he said, put in his ten thousand hours. That's a real sure life did. joke. We could uh, and, go back um, to listen to the hours on that one. Tyler did some excellent Uremchuk math on that one. I actually remember that. I, rem- I listened to that episode. When he said, um, it's like an English paper, I wish I could get an extension. I lost it. That was <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> He's the best. Uh, you, know what the, you know what the worst part about Jack is? He's so good. I, I just, I can't imagine it's long before they steal him from us. Oh, yeah. He's it's going to be heartbreaking. <laughs> Tyler, don't say that. Don't say that. He's he'll the be best. the national broadcast guy for the nighttime soon. You're telling me ESPN's not looking at those electric calls being like, fuck me. We need that guy. Oh yeah. He's going to get paid. He's going to get a bigger contract than McDavid's next one. When McDavid's uh, 29. And, and if you haven't heard the real life interview with Jack Michaels, go back and listen to it because getting to where he's at now was a fucking hell of a story. Okay. Who's up next? Tyler. Deuce Vodka. Hot performer of the week. My hot performer of the week is going to Mr. Oscar Clefbaum, who sat in front of the media today. He was smiley, and it was just nice to see his face again. One of my all-time favorite Oilers. Love Clefbaum. I think the injuries have led to a lot of fans just constantly wanting to shit on him, and I don't get it at all. I love the dude, and you know he did say today there's no guarantee he ever plays again. That's at least what the doctor told them. But he did say he's feeling pretty good after his surgery. It's been four weeks. And I was just happy to see him back and smiling and with the Oilers logo behind him. It feels good to know that Oscar Clefbaum is still uh, is still kicking around a little bit. So Oscar Clefbaum, just you being you gets you my hot performer of the week. Damn Arby's boys. Wheels up. Ski skirt. Tyler, you got a man crush on Oscar Clefbaum? Oh, I totally really do. Did you see? He did you see? He's got an OnlyFans. Well, he doesn't actually, but in my uh, in my jobs, yeah. whether it's with oh. um, outside of hockey video, I made him OnlyFans. That's actually bag mouth. He told me to put that. So thank you. Uh, if the others really want to do themselves some favors, they would parade Oscar Clefbaum from the in front of the cameras with no shirt on. That's just my thought. Uh, let's see. Make sure those abs are still beautifully formed and well greased. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's been a while since he's played. We need to check on those babies. We need an update. We need an update. We should do a nation calendar. Oh, yeah. That would absolutely. sell. Boys of the nation calendar. Everybody with lots of fun. Oh, yeah. could be in there. We'll all be there. Tarps off your M-Chuck from the B-Cast. That's what we'd have. Okay. Uh, we're winding down here. Episode 134 is set to wrap. But first, real quick, around the horn. We've got a couple of days off here. Monday game against the Jets. I just want a quick score prediction, and we will check back in next week to see how right we all were. I'm going to start off with a 4-2 Oilers win. Empty net goal for Josh Archibald. I'm getting real specific here. Dan, you're up first. 
Score prediction for the Yets. I'm going to say three to two win for the Oilers in overtime and an assist for Kulikov in his first game as an Oiler. Nice against his former club. I like that. Josh Park, your five four. Five four Oilers. McDavid has two goals and three secondary assists for Tyson Berry. Love it. Love a secondary assist. Tyler Ramchuk score prediction against the Yets. Three two Oilers victory in overtime with Leon Drysettle finding the back of the net for the winner. I like it. And we got to wrap up with this. Uh, Rowan Wick DM'd us on Instagram. He wanted to know what the Oilers uh, sort of magic number was before that they're locked in and, and clinched into a playoff spot. So I reached out to my good friend, Matt Iwanek, who's always up to date on the math here. And he says it is 16 points. That is the Oilers magic number. So that means either a combination of the Oilers acquiring 16 points in the standings and uh, the Vancouver Canucks missing out on 16 points, that combination. So every game the Canucks lose is two points. They lose every win for the Oilers is two points. They get 16 points is the Oilers magic number. And how many, how many games did you say the Oilers have left against the Canucks? Five. Five. That could be over very quickly. Yeah. 16 is the magic number. Now you know. From all of us here on Oilers Nation Radio, I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate your attention and welcoming us into your head. From all of us, I also want to thank Sherwood Ford, Skip the Dishes, Cornerstone Insurance, and Deuce Vodka for making this all possible. And more importantly for you, fair listeners, Please leave us your reviews. I will read them. We will tell Rick to get rid of his scratchy beard. Maybe a clean shaven Rick for next week if he's back. That's what's on tap. That is Oilers Nation Radio episode 134. We're wrapping. Go Oilers. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the weekend off. Subscribe and download. Tell a friend about this podcast because it's excellent. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend. Shout out Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365 day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.